it's the next level. Hmm? Ah! Oh. It should be about 200 yards this way. You sure it's going to be there, John? I'm sorry? The cabin, what if it's moved? Again. It hasn't moved because I was told that this is where it would be. I was told a lot of things, too. That I was chosen, that I was special. I end up with a tumor on my spine and my daughter's blood all over my hands. I'm sorry those things happened to you, Ben. Those things had to happen to me. That was my destiny. But you'll understand soon enough that there are consequences to being chosen. Because destiny, John, is a fickle bitch. Welcome to another episode of We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited, as we continue onward on the journey into the fourth season of the series. I'm Ben. And I'm Kristen. This week, we move forward with our discussion of season four, episode 11, Cabin Fever. And I'm going to say right now that my kids are home. They are <laughs> at, they're, they're doing their remote day. And I just heard ice in the background. So if you if, if the mic picks up a little a little funny business on my end, I apologize in advance. <laughs> hey, we are we are in a time and an age right now where most people are home. So yeah. it can only be expected. Um, I've had cats meowing at my feet during these recordings. Um, you've had dogs barking. It's it's to be expected at this point. I have I have a uh, a sticky note now for all of for all of my meetings that say on mute because of dogs or kids. <laughs> I love how the kids are in parentheses <laughs> for people that can't see on the Zoom meeting. It, it says or kids in parentheses, which is amazing. Uh, I want to say real quick too. Um, We've had a little expansion of the podcast. I know it's been a couple of weeks since we've recorded, but um, we have new audiences now, which is awesome. In I, I don't know if it, if they're going to take some time to get to this episode because they're starting from the beginning, but it, we've expanded. We were on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. We are now also on Stitcher, Amazon, and uh, Audible. So if you are listening to this podcast on any of those Welcome to the ride. <laughs> Audible. Audible's cool. Yeah. So uh, new audiences, which is great. And uh, hopefully that means some additional feedback and new listeners. And I'm, I'm excited for what that could bring, for what that could mean. But if you are new to the podcast and you're jumping on port, uh, you're jumping on at this point, keep in mind, this is a spoiler full podcast. We will be talking about things that have happened in the past, as well as things that have yet to happen over the course of the series. Uh, this being a rewatch series, uh, rewatch podcast and all that fun stuff. So this being episode 11 of the fourth season cabin fever. I don't know. I don't know if I'm the only one that does this. Have you ever seen Muppet Treasure Island? No. 
Oh, you need to watch it with the kids. It's amazing. But there's a song called Cabin Fever in that movie. And it always ends with the Muppets at, at like a collective Cabin Fever. Ah. So every time I hear I read. <laughs> <laughs> so every time I see Cabin Fever, no, in the back of my mind, I'm like, ah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my uh, gosh. You are so weird. Weird? I don't think that's the word for it. I feel okay. like Cabin Fever is just my uh, my overall feeling about life right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's how most of us are feeling in the world right now. I will. I do. I will say that I did get my first vaccine and I Me get too. my, I know, I know. So soon we'll be able to see each other comfortably. Uh, my husband has been vaccinated, fully vaccinated for about six weeks now, but my last, uh, my last vaccine comes the week of Easter and then I will be totally vaccinated. Yay. I get mine, mm-hmm. uh, next week on the 24th of March is my second one. And then I know I oh. think they say you have to work. You have to wait like two weeks. Yeah, two two to three weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You looked confused when I said my second shot was next week. I didn't realize that we got our first shot so close together. Oh, when is a your week second? apart? Oh, okay. What you got yours last week? Well, who did Maybe? you get? Did you get Pfizer or Moderna? Fi- Pfizer. So did I. Okay. And then yeah. I think it's a three week in between first and yeah. second shot. Yeah. Yeah. So my my. Second appointment is for four weeks out because I'm supposed to be out of town three weeks out, but I might just go because <laughs> I'm going to be in Charlotte for Easter. So I might just go and see uh, who has a second shot for me that week. You're, that lucky, if- you're lucky they let you choose like that because the, here in, Pen- in Pennsylvania, it's automatically assigned to you and they tell you do not miss it. Your oh, well, well, yeah, but um, so... I was overhearing somebody um, getting the shot the other day who was a walk-in and um, because somebody missed their appointment, Mm -hmm. which if you want the shot, if you want the vaccination and you're not eligible yet, I'm eligible and Ben is eligible. um, But if you're not eligible, just go skulk around in the Walgreens pharmacy because half of the appointments are being missed. And so they, they just, wait for somebody to arrive to give them their shot because it's already been defrosted and they can't refreeze it. And I think Rite Aid is the same way. Um, okay. Cause I, cause I got mine through a Rite Aid. So um, I think they're the same way. I think they're, if you can check constantly to see if they're, cause I'm constantly seeing appointments pop up here and there on, on Rite Aid's website. They go like very quickly. But if you just, if you don't, if you have a day where you're just like not doing anything, like, <laughs> Just go go over there and just hang around. And I promise you something might come of it. Um, but I was overhearing somebody who was getting that shot and she's like, well, I don't have a second appointment because I'm just getting this because you guys have something extra. And they're like, well, you can really go anywhere, blah, 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 or make the appointment like three days before. But she basically told her, if you find a place, you have your card, you have the date, they'll give you your second shot. Oh, Interesting. And I think that that's just because they're trying to get everybody vaccinated as quick as possible right now. Yeah. So it's like the rules change every day. Well, I mean, and and thankfully, you know, it's we're in a we're in a place now in this country where by May 1st, doesn't matter what phase you were previously in. By May 1st, you're going to be eligible for the shot. 
It should have been that way from the beginning. I agree. Um, but I do understand that the elderly and uh, frontline workers should have been first, without yeah. a doubt, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, but I'm like I'm immunocompromised, so it was, you know, it, I thankfully I was originally one C. I got bumped to one A, um, and I was able to get the shot. So good. I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful you got it, and Dave got it, and I have a number of other friends who yeah. have gotten it, and. Well, Dave is a frontline worker. Dave is a um, Dave is for people that don't know he's um, in the Navy and he's uh, medical. So he got it first. Yeah. And, and I, that second shot is a doozy, by the way. Well, do you know if he got Pfizer or Moderna? I don't. OK, but I do know that he went down for 18 hours. I, I heard the Moderna. You're listening to vaccine talk with Ben and Kristen. Um, I've heard that the Moderna shot is worse. Um, when it comes to the second shot, Pfizer is not as bad. Uh, all, but I know after I got that first shot, I felt a bit of nausea for probably maybe about 20 minutes afterwards. And then it subdued and I was fine. But I've heard from a number of people that if I got that little bout of nausea, I should prepare for being a little down for the count for a little bit after that second shot. I was fine. I went for a three mile run and I uh, <laughs> I was fine. <laughs> Lucky. It's I was different just for everybody. Yeah, I was I was very thirsty. I, I had cotton mouth really bad and I fell asleep in the kids carpool lane, like picking up <laughs> the kids from carpool. Totally passed out. <laughs> my arm, I know my arm was sore for about a day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Very much so. I, I woke up and I thought I was sore for my workout. And I'm like, I don't remember doing arms. <laughs> Why is it only one arm? What, this is I, so weird. Then I said, oh, yeah, I got a shot. I forgot. <laughs> I'm weird too. Like for like, I know like that band aid that they put on your arm after you get a shot. Like you could take that off within an hour because your arm is already healed. I wore it for like two days. It's kind of like a badge of honor. It's so weird. You're right. I am kind of weird. I told you. <laughs> All right. Hey, let's talk about lost. Yeah, let's do that because there's no vaccines in this episode. Whatever the timestamp is right now, we should we should just throw in into the show notes. If you don't want to hear about the vaccine, go to this time. Jump to this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, episode uh, episode 11 of the fourth season. This is uh, pretty <clears throat> much like Locke, Hurley and Ben trekking through the jungle uh, in search of Jacob's cabin. Uh, we've got we got. Kimi and the rest of that group doing some stuff. There's some John Locke flashbacks. And when we talk flashbacks, it's legit back to the beginning of John Locke. Back to like the flashbacks. he's still in the womb. <laughs> yeah, with his with his mother, who uh, I think Emily is mm -hmm. uh, is her name, uh, who apparently was five months pregnant and didn't, six months. I thought she said five. Maybe it was six. I could be wrong. I didn't write that down. Um, but so let's let's jump in. Like, where do you want to start with this episode? I want to start with John Locke. OK, um, I'm fine with that. Yeah. So I, I have a lot of thoughts about what. I feel that we learn more about John Locke in this episode than we have in all the episodes combined. Oh, I 100 percent agree. So John Locke, as we know, is a, or as we now know, is a product of the foster system. Um, so John Locke was 
born into a family that didn't want him. He was passed around into families and houses that begrudgingly took him. And as we know, and I don't know if anybody, if everybody knows this, but if you have foster kids, you get extra money. And there's a lot of families that just do it for the paycheck Mm -hmm. and they collect kids. And that's how they like live their life. And they don't really treat the kids very well. It's a very sad story. Uh, I do work with this foster system and it is soul crushing most of the time. Um, So to me, I understand John Locke being mentally weak more after this episode than in other episodes, right? He's all, we've always said he's easily manipulated. We've always said that he is, um, he's mentally weak. That's always been kind of like our running theme with John Locke. And here we really see that he wants so badly to be a part of something good and important. And he wants to be recognized and he wants to be popular and he wants to be revered almost. And he can't get there his whole life. He can't get there. He's making these small little mistakes. He wants that book of laws, but he chooses the knife. And while it makes Richard angry, which Richard's reaction was bullshit, excuse my language. Okay. Um, but he picks the knife, I think, because not because not because he felt it was his. He was he was young enough to understand that probably the book of laws was his, but he could use the knife. He probably has felt that he needed protection, that he needed to protect himself. Don't tell me what I can't do. Don't you know, he he wants to feel like he's got control over his own destiny, his own situation. And in the foster system, you have no control. You have no control over your life. He's never had control over his life. Um, if Richard had taken him in that moment and just said, you know what? I know that you're the guy. I know that you're in a sucky situation. I need to take you now. His life probably would have been completely different. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that completely. Um, Going back to your point where you say like he was a product of the foster system and we as we now know he's a product of the foster system. I think we've kind of known that for a while. I mean, we've gotten in earlier flashbacks that he he never knew who his father was until Anthony Cooper showed up and then his mother showed up. I think we can probably kind of gauge from that that he was a product of a foster system. Uh, but you're right. This is the first time we're seeing it clear and present that he was in the foster system. But I, I like what you're saying about how, you know, everything from this point, you know, how he always wanted to be one thing and it always turned out to be something different. We see uh, the immortal Richard Alpert, as I'm calling him, mm-hmm. um, pretty much outside of the room after John is born. So John has pretty much been destined to be something from the moment he was brought into this world and it's, and you're right. It seems like even though John had a destiny, John was always trying to change his own destiny. And for some reason he never could because this Mm -hmm. destiny was so determined for him and so set that every time he tried to change it, there were negative, there were negative things that come that came with it. Uh, as a child, choosing the knife over the book of laws was 
kept him in the foster system longer instead of an escape from it. Uh, we see him in the rehab center with um, uh, Matthew Abaddon returning. And that guy is like Mr. Fix it for the island. They're like, Oh, Richard can't do it. Ben can't do it. You guys, you guys suck at this. Okay. I got it. Golly. Well, he's also the person that's been like, you know what? I think they might be onto the fact that Richard hasn't aged. Let's bring in somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Richard looks the same as he did in 1961. It might be best. It might be best to use a new face (laughs) and use somebody else. You know, because I mean, in 1961 is when he visited John in the foster home and he did. You know, we saw John choose the compass. He chose the grains of sand in. in And he was supposed to choose the book of laws. Well, what do you think that book of laws represents? I mean, we I, I, I have a feeling that. The, the sand in the vial obviously is the island yeah. uh, because it is soil and sand from the island, as I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, the compass is representative of a direction your life needs to go into, and the compass helps you find that direction. Um, <clears throat> for me, I don't know if I would have necessarily chosen the Book of Laws over the knife either. So, I mean, I don't know. I think you're right, and the knife kind of represents protection. I guess the book of laws would be order. That's I, that's what I mean. Uh, I don't know. I think I think you're right. And that's what he was supposed to choose. And that's what Richard was hoping he would choose. But it's because it, it's, it's it's he's choosing order over chaos. And I think maybe that the knives, the knife. And this is off the cuff. I'm thinking I'm thinking out yeah. loud here. Maybe the might the knife represents chaos and represents um, everything that Richard and his group don't believe in, right? They believe in order and their, their rules. And the island has a very specific code. And if you don't follow that code, the island is going to fight back. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ben didn't follow the code of the island and lost lost his leadership ability. Right? Yeah. Um and maybe that's what it was is you know the I don't know though. I mean already applies already belongs to him. I mean that's something very specific, right? Um so the island is he so is Richard saying the island already belongs to Locke. Well, I mean, and that's something I wanted to bring up too, is, you know, one of the things we've constantly told it off about over the past couple episodes, especially this season, is Mm -hmm. how it always seemed that Hurley was the true leader of this group. And this episode kind of throws a wrench into that because like we, we know that Jacob and the man in black were, are basically playing a chess game at this point. And all these people are their pawns. Mm-hmm. But if Richard works for Jacob, which we do know, again, we're going into spoiler territory here. Uh, Richard does indeed work for Jacob. He does not work for the man in black. So if Richard is there recruiting John Locke because John has been chosen, maybe John was originally chosen to be the new leader of this island. And the man in black played a game and bested Jacob and because no the knife Jews early. The knife represents death. The knife represent and the laws represent life. The laws is Jacob. Jacob is the law. The man in black 
represents the violent end, the dark end, the knife end. So So maybe Richard saw that as he was choosing sides with the man in black over Jacob, which is probably why he was so upset. Yeah, that could be it, especially because I knew we'd talk this out. I knew we'd get there. We always do. (laughs) But again, that kind of throws the wrench into the like, well, Hurley was meant to be, you know, this person the whole time. But But look what Hurley's. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Look what Hurley's doing in the background, though, while Locke is on this like manic crazed cabin search. He's just he's there. He he doesn't want to leave. And he's being kind to the most hated person on the island. He's like, do you want some of my candy bar? Well, I also think that also I think that's where we haven't gotten to this point yet in the series. And I don't think we do until season five, maybe even six, is we do know that every person that is there at this point, from Jack to Sawyer to Kate, they're all candidates that have these numbers assigned to them. And I think that's basically because Locke was supposed to be one of these was supposed to be this. Everybody else is now a candidate as to who could become this person because John's not going to be. Yeah. John is still listed as a candidate because there's hope that he could still be this person. Mm-hmm. But now they have to have backups, which is where all these other people come into play now. And Hurley is just the one that takes that role because John never does. Uh, John actually becomes quite the opposite in, in the end of this. Actually, John doesn't even play into it. It's some, it's the man in black taking the form of John Locke, which hmm. we will get to next season. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's uh you're right. I'm glad we talked this out, but I, you know what? I, and I want to make this real quick point and we'll get to it a little bit later in the conversation. When you said, um, look at what Hurley is doing in the background. Uh, there is a lot of stuff happening in the background of scenes in this episode, and Ben is a key part to most of them. I love Ben sometimes. I, he's always been one of my favorite characters of the series. I've, I've said that before. We're getting to the point now, though, that like you're kind of starting to come around on Ben. Yeah. Well, because you're starting to realize that Ben basically in some ways has also been manipulated. Mm. He's just become smart enough to outgrow it. He, he, you know what? If you were to do a compare and contrast on Ben and Locke, I mean, they both grew up in really screwed up situations. Well, that's going to lead me into this point. And that's, I'm glad you said that. Have I set you up nicely? You have. You set me up perfectly. (laughs) There is a scene in this, and it kind of ties into what you said about her, what Hurley's doing in the background and what I mentioned about Ben doing in the background. There's that scene where John is talking to Hurley and he says, you know, like, if you go this direction, it'll get you to the shore. All you have to do is head north. And and Hurley's like, well, I'm, I feel safer staying with you. There's that interaction with Ben and Locke afterwards where, you know, Ben tells her, oh. Ben tells John, I see what you did there. Like, you made them believe it was his choice. And John says, like, I'm not you. And Ben just shoots him that look. It's in that moment you realize, holy shit, these two men are so much more alike than you've even known at this point. But it's so funny because Ben seems to be very self-aware of who he is. Yeah. Um, Whereas John 
John just is like an ostrich with his head in the sand, man. I mean, he just refuses to look at himself honestly. And I think that this is his ultimate downfall. His whole life, you see that John will not look at who he is honestly. His whole life. And they tried to get him to get get to this uh, science camp or whatever they called it in high school. And he's like, no, I like cars. I like girls. I like I like, I like boxing. And yeah. Yeah. And you're like, no, man, that's not who you are. Like, it's OK not to be that guy. It's OK yeah. to be this guy instead. Don't tell me what I can and can't do. Okay. Well, well, that's what I meant by like, he's had a destiny his entire life and he's been forcibly trying to change it. Right. But even when he is fulfilling what he thinks his destiny is at this point, he still refuses to look at himself honestly at at who he is. And that is knows exactly who he is. And that's the big difference between John and Ben is like I said, Ben, Ben to a degree has also been manipulated. I mean, you look at Richard Alpert coming to him as a kid and getting him to turn on the Dharma initiative and taking out the Dharma initiative. Like Ben has been manipulated as well, just like John. But the difference between John and Ben is that Ben realized he was being manipulated and overcame it and became. Well, and he manipulated right back. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's the thing. If you realize like you you're think being you can, manipulated, you think you can manipulate me. <laughs> yeah. I and you know, and and he turns it and he turns it right around on everybody, and he becomes instead the leader of Richard Alpert, and not, you know, Richard leading him. Um, but I want to go back to that scene real quick because when I mentioned things that are happening in the background, the second time I watched that scene, that when I was watching the episode the second time, I was watching that scene. When you watch that conversation between John and Hurley, where John is telling him, you know, go to the shore and Hurley and Hurley comes around and replies like, I feel like I'm safer with you. If you look at Ben in that scene and props to Michael Emerson for his acting, because he is. That's another reason I love this character so much is because not just the writing, but Michael Emerson's portrayal of this character. If you look at if you watch Ben in that scene, Take note of the look he is shooting John because it's a total. I know what you're doing. I see what you're doing right now. And I kind of applaud it. (laughs) And then that's when he turns around and he's like, I see what you did there. Because when you watch that scene, he did. He was watching him. He was watching that conversation that whole time and shooting John this look like, I know what you're doing. And it's, it's brilliant. And I love it. Yeah, I started if, laughing if ben, when I watched that scene again. If ben wasn't such a psychopath most of the time. He could have really <laughs> been a great island leader forever. But, you know, he chose he chose the crazy. He did. Um, he had that book of law and then he like put it down and he grabbed the knife. Like, I don't know when that happened, but he, he became the knife instead of the book. Yeah. And I think maybe that's what it is. Are you the book or you are the knife? Maybe that's the whole theme of the whole show. Are you the book or are you the knife? I I almost wonder if at any point in Ben's life, and I know we we kind of, we don't see it at any point, but I kind of almost wonder if maybe Ben was put under the same test at some point. I don't remember if we see that or not. I want to say um, we don't. We, we kind of, yeah, we absolutely do. It's when he went to the fence. They yeah. wanted... They wanted him to kill everybody. He could have said no. But is that is that the same test, though? 
I mean, it's it's definitely a test of his loyalty, but is that a same test of destiny? Like John, like Richard gave John when he was a kid in the foster home. I don't know if Ben ever gets that test. I want to go back and watch the episode because now, now, now I'm curious if if how, what episode was it when he was um, he wanted to escape and he was at he was at the fencing and that's where that's where he I think that's where he met Richard for the first time, isn't it? Outside of the fence, yeah, because yeah. Richard was outside of the fence and the fence was on. Because he couldn't get in. Yes. Yeah. And that's where I mean, and, and again, that goes back to how Ben was also manipulated, at, you know, younger. Big time. So yeah. that's what I'm wondering if if that that was his test right there. I don't know. With, it, with it this thought be. in mind, I want to go back and watch that episode now. Yeah, I got to remember what episode um, what what episode that is. I don't know. I know we'll he, find has, it. he has he has. Um, it, it might be what they died. Oh no, that's not till season six. But you know what? It, it might be interesting to watch this episode and that episode because they're both pretty big. Ba- they're both complete backstories on both of them from birth until because uh, we see Ben's birth. We see Ben. It's season Ben's se- mom. Season three, episode 20, the man behind the curtain. Episode that's, 20. That's, yeah. And then season four episode. What were we're in 11? 11. Yeah. I think these episodes need to be, we need to like watch kind back of, to back. We need to watch both of them and maybe even compare and contrast them a little bit. Cause I think that that we're going to learn some things that we should probably learn. Yeah. That's like, I mean, it might be something very interesting to do at this point to kind of, uh, to see if that works out and, and see if we learn anything new about it. Um, you mentioned the, the whole scene uh, with, Ben, or not Ben, uh, John. See, I'm already comparing him to Ben. Uh, When John is in high school and he meets with the guidance counselor, uh, there's a little bit of an Easter egg in that scene. I don't know if you picked up on it. Was it Geronimo Jackson? It was Geronimo Jackson. (laughs) The Geronimo Jackson poster in in his locker. Uh, But there's also another tie-in to another character in this episode, too. Uh, In... When the guidance counselor gives John that brochure about the science school uh, is Middleos Laboratories, which uh-huh. is also how Richard Alpert recruited Juliet yeah. to the island. It was through Middleos Laboratories. So, uh, you know, this is another it proves, you know, that Ben. See, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the connection here in that Ben wasn't destined to become a leader, but he was still supposed to be at that island because Richard and Middleos Laboratories was trying to recruit him to the island through Middleos. So he was supposed to be there. On, uh, uh, not Ben. Uh, I see now I've confused myself. John was recruited to the island, I guess, to fulfill his destiny, to further... Yeah. Uh, progress his destiny. So I take back what I said about I was confusing it with Ben. Yeah, no, that's okay. We we've been we've been talking about the difference between both of them for a while. So and the characters are, again are so similar in so many ways that it is easy to confuse them. But the mm-hmm. but the interactions between the two are just I I love it. Um, where do you want to go? 
let's let's stay with John just a little bit longer and just go to the walkabout. So now they have found him. They've crushed his spine. He's in he's in therapy. John is about as low as he's going to get. Still blaming everybody else for his problems. Yep. <laughs> still mentally weak and horrible. Um, and we see, as we said, Matthew Abaddon. Why did he put him at the top of the stairs like that? I don't know, but there was a part of me that could not remember whether he pushed him down them or not. <laughs> me too. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I was like, wait, is he going to push him down the stairs? How do I not remember this? <laughs> I had the same. I had the same uh, moment of panic. And I think, and I love it that that happened because you, because that's what John was also thinking. Like, um, what, what are we doing here, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Exactly. I want to say to um, Lance Reddick is the, who's the actor that plays Matthew. Abaddon. I love him. He he's one of those actors that when you see him, you instantly recognize him and yep. he has a voice. Yeah. That the moment you heard him talking, even before you saw his face, I'm like, oh, that's Matthew Abaddon. I remember now because yep. that's Lance. I mean, he has been in. He's everything. Another, he's another one that's kind of like, um, oh God, what's his name? He played the pilot in the in the pilot episode. Um, he's another one of JJ's like golden boys. Like he JJ puts him in everything. Um, but uh, another he's another one too. Um, Lance Reddick has been in a, a ton. Um, he was in Fringe, which was another JJ show i know he was in the wire which i haven't seen yet but i need to he was in oz which i haven't seen yet i haven't seen the wire either oh no i've seen the wire i was thinking of the shield the wire is real good i want to see it especially because of idris elba but we're getting ahead of ourselves um the wire is really good (laughs) i I still need to watch deadwood anyway um I need to start Deadwood. Uh, but yeah, the moment I heard that voice, I'm like, oh, I know who that is. I remember now. So, OK, but he does say a few things. The, uh, I mean, we start to plant the seeds of the Australian walkabout, which. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fine. Um, however, he does say that he's much more than an orderly, and he also tells Locke that he will owe him one. Mm-hmm. Has he cashed in on that yet? I don't think he has. I, I don't think he has. And I'm wondering if I, I don't remember. And see, now we're at a point to we've mentioned this before. We're at a point in the series where we kind of don't remember some of the stuff that's about to happen. I've and seen the last that. two seasons twice through. I've seen the first four seasons like Tons. Yeah. Well, I mean, and again, we've mentioned this before that like while there is a lot that happens in the first like three or four seasons, the the complexity of the story in seasons five and six takes such an uptick that it's difficult to remember everything. It's it becomes more difficult. So even if you've watched the whole series the same number of times. Yeah it becomes more difficult to remember everything in four and five because the story complexity jumps up. It's like game of Thrones. Like I, I, there's so much shit that happens in the later seasons of game of Thrones. I don't remember. And I remember more. And it's also because it's a horrible ending of the series, but there's so much more. I remember so much more of the earlier game of Thrones than I do. the. It's, it's not horrible. It's It's garbage. Uh, The last season was garbage. Yeah. 
garbage. <laughs> Say it with me, garbage. <laughs> but I'm trying to remember if we see garbage. I, 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 well, no, not see garbage. Garbage. Um, if we see Matthew Abaddon again, I don't remember if we see him. Um, and I'm, I'm. Let's see. Uh, we do. Um, his last episode apparently is the life and death of Jeremy Bentham, which is next season. So we are going to see him again. So I mean, I, maybe that's when we'll get the cash in. I don't yeah. know. And just only- to remind everybody, because I think that this is such a great. Uh, this is such a great thing to always remember for those of you that maybe are just casually listening to us, but we have mentioned it before. Uh, Abaddon comes from the Bible's reference to the angel of the bottomless pit, whose job it is to take souls to their destination in the last judgment. Okay. That it's fitting. So fitting. It's it's especially in this episode. I mean, you know, we, We've talked before about how there are so many hands um, in directing these people to get to where they need to go. In particular, on flight 815. There's so many elements that we find out of people directing them. I mean, from the the adoption doctor directing Claire to be on that flight. Um you know, Jack and, and his father being on that flight. Like there's, there's so many hands and Matthew Abaddon is the hand that gets John Locke on that flight. He tells him he needs to take the walkabout to Australia. Yep. Gets him on that flight and well, gets him on the flight home because he gets to Australia, but he can't take the walkabout because he's in a wheelchair, which puts him on the flight home, which is the flight that crashes. Don't tell me what I can't do. It's such that has become such another distinct line in this kind of like live together, die alone. Or, yeah. And, you know, so many others that we've that we've heard. And don't tell me what I can't do is the signature John Locke line. That's just so sad. Um, <laughs> A defiant, childish exclamation is is what John Locke's character really comes down to. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell me what I can't do. Don't tell me what I can't do. Uh, He also, Abaddon also recruited Daniel Faraday, Miles Straum, Charlotte Lewis, and Frank Lapidus. I love Lapidus. I do too. I just like saying his name. Lapidus. You know, it's funny. I've thought about this too. Like every time we've we've watched these episodes and we get the name Frank Lapidus, I'm always like, I know that name from somewhere else. And I I realized where it was. It has nothing to do with Lost. But if you've ever seen the musical The Producers, um, when they're when there are people auditioning for the role of Adolf Hitler <laughs> in uh Springtime for Hitler. There's a scene where um, one of the casting directors is out there and he's calling Frank or no, uh, Frank Lepideur. And he's calling this name and somebody whispers in his ear and he's like, Frank Lapidus, because he was trying to like class up a name. And that's where I know it from. It's also from the producers. That's no, funny. It's not lost at all. It's just it's a happy coincidence. Um. I like in that scene too, like as as shitty as John is and as down as he is and he blames everybody else when Abbott, when Abaddon gives him that story about like how I talk, I took a walk about and I became a different person. And John's reaction was, and look at you, a hospital orderly. I'm like, you sarcastic asshole. 
Like he's trying to help you and you're still turning against him. Like you're a jerk. Uh, I love it. I love it. Um, What about you? Where do you want to go? There's still some John Locke stuff we need to touch on, especially the cabin um, and meeting Horace. But um, we can kind of break away from that for a minute. I want to talk a little bit about the stuff on the ship. Because there is something we really need to talk about on this. Um, Is it that you were right and that the and that the doctor was still alive? Yes, but there's (laughs) there's some confusing elements to this because we know that time is wonky when it comes to this island. Um, The the doctor when when Daniel is talking on the phone for the 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 loadout. It's fired from the ship well before it arrives on the island. So things that happened on the ship happen well before they happen on on the island. But yet Mm -hmm. this is a reverse occurrence where the doctor washed up on shore before he even died on the boat. Um, And there's only one explanation I can come up with. And if if you think I'm wrong, uh, please tell me. When Daniel... When the the loadout happened, Daniel was speaking over the phone. However, when the message was relayed, well, he was from, Morse coding. It was Morse coding, so it wasn't a voice connection. It was a a a kind of signal connection, which we have seen in the past from when uh, Hurley and Saeed fix the radio and they get that radio signal of that's playing like the old timey oh, yeah. music. So mm-hmm. maybe it's signals work differently than just voice like voice. There's a direct connection because also don't forget when Lapidus flies over and drops the satellite phone, that's in real time. Yeah. So there's a lot of confusing elements to how time works between this Island and everything off of it. Not to mention yeah. in, in the last episode, we see Ben off the Island it's like weeks later when he finally arrives in Tunisia. You know, he leaves the island at one time and he arrives like a week or two, like a, a little bit later. Well, and we're going to learn very soon that the island can move. Yes. And we're going to learn like by the end of this episode that the island can move. <laughs> I, like, I love how you corrected that. We're going to learn a little bit later. I mean, we're going to learn by the end of this episode that the <laughs> That the island can move. Well, but okay, so that alone, that that statement alone is weird enough, right? But it doesn't just move, it moves in time. Yes, it doesn't move in place. It right. It moves in time. So our assumptions about moving the island are kind of wonky to begin with, yeah. right? We assume move the island. <laughs> So there's a time travel element that is about to be explained to us. Probably, I can't remember if it's by the end of this season, because we're about to have the three episodes of the finale, or if we learn that they skip in time next season, because we see it island jumps. There's a lot of jumping that happens when the flash of light happens and everybody gets all spun up again. And then, and then they're like, Oh no, it's going to happen again. Here we go. Oh no. We see it in, we see it this season. No, no, no. I know that, but I don't know if we, if, if we're told that it's time or if we're told that it's 
place. I don't think I don't think we're told. Well, see, here's the thing. I actually think it's both. Um, because if we remember, there are like things that disappeared in the Indian Ocean that have arrived on the island. Um, you know, so I, I actually think when the island jumps in time, it also does move in in place. Uh, and it, it jumps Why? throughout because, like I said, we've we've seen like things that have disappeared over the Indian Ocean have arrived, have landed, have been discovered on this island. Um, Do you think that the plane wreckage then is not a hoax and that their plane might have crashed exactly where they found the wreckage, but then they moved the island? Oh, no, we we know for a fact it's coming next season. Um it's it's revealed that it was a hoax that Charles Whitmore put all those all those bodies down there. Wouldn't it be interesting though if it was if it wasn't if it wasn't? Wouldn't that be cooler? Well, that would mean they're all in two places at once. They actually, I did, know, they actually did die and survive. Man, that would so overcomplicate the series more than it already is. I think it would <laughs> simplify it a little bit, but okay. They were dead to begin with. As people, many people predicted from the first season of the show. Um, but yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, in the in, it, I don't think it's revealed it's time travel because we know by the end of this season, as we're gonna see, we're gonna see the Oceanic Six in a boat floating in the water, fl floating in the ocean, as there's a huge flash of light and poof, the island disappears. Mm -hmm. So we and I think we're led we're left with that mystery, that cliffhanger. Okay, what happened to the island? I don't think it's revealed until next season where the island disappeared to, that it's in time and it's wherever it is. Because the, the Oceanic Six just see it disappear. And then that's where we're left. Yeah, because I, right. I just remembered, holy shit, we're heading into the finale next week. Yeah. Part one of the finale is next week. Yeah which I'm really excited for now. Yeah, I like I like this finale. Um, but yes, I mean, there's definitely some wonky stuff. Like, yeah, I remembered correctly that the doctor dies after being discovered washing up on the beach. There's not really a time explanation for it yet, so it's not really worth diving that deep into at this point. I think that what, what we learn here, honestly, is that time is very fluid. It's not just there's not like Daniel Faraday's trying to figure out what that what what the time jump is, you know, crossing mm -hmm. that barrier or whatever. But I think what we're learning is even Daniel Faraday is not going to be able to figure this one out because time can either be before or after what's happening outside the island scope. And we're just going to have to, like, un unlock that part of our brains and just deal with it. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's one of those things that like it's it's not worth trying to figure this out. We're just going to have to let it it's it, we're going to have to let it reveal itself to us. Right. And, and yeah. I think that that's where people overcomplicate the show. I think that, you know, they want they want an answer so bad that they're trying to fit puzzle pieces together that don't necessarily belong to the same puzzle. And I think I, I think you're absolutely right there. I mean, you look at a, a more recent example with WandaVision to anybody who's watched it. There were so many theories out there mm -hmm. of what was potentially happening. I had what, a lot of theories. <laughs> I, I did, too. Um, you know, so many theories of what was potentially happening and what was going to happen that when the finale aired, there were people who were disappointed in the finale where I 
I loved it. Like I thought the finale was great. And because I sat with it a little bit and it, I kind of got out of that theorized zone and just looked at it for what it was. And then I realized that, oh, like, okay, that was actually a great finale. If um, I could, if I could suggest to anybody, watch, watch these Marvel shows with kids, man, because the kids are there for the ride. And it, it's so fun because you watch it with a kid and you're there for the ride too. My, my friend Morgan has been, um, her boyfriend has never seen the Marvel movies and she's been because of WandaVision and her love for WandaVision. He finally said, okay, I will sit down and I watch the, I will watch these movies with you. And she's been tweeting about the experience of rewatching them. And she is like, it, she's getting a new appreciation for the movies watching with someone who's never seen them before. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I, that gets me excited because I'm now looking forward to her next tweet to see what his reaction is to these yeah. movies. I'll tell you what, because we pre-watch all shows and all movies before we let our kids watch them. I think you have to nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. But with WandaVision, we sat down and we all watched it together because we knew it wasn't going to be anything that they hadn't already seen in Endgame. <laughs> One of, yeah, one of my favorite things to do when WandaVision was on, and I'll probably do it during Falcon and Winter Soldier too, and I know we're kind of getting off topic, but that happened. Kind of. We're not um, even in the same universe anymore. Um, I, anytime there was a big reveal in WandaVision, I, I like going on YouTube and watching reaction videos yeah. to people who are watching it. And so many of them, were families watching together and watching family reactions were the best reactions yeah. I loved watching. Oh, we have a picture. Just this is the last thing I'm going to say before <laughs> we go back to lost, but we have a picture of our daughter at age like three watching. Um, Tell uh, me Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes yes! Back. Yes. Yep. I love it. And uh, thank you. I will totally blanked out right there. I was like, I kept thinking Empire of the Sun. And I was like, that's wrong. <laughs> that's not right. <laughs> that's not right. Why are you showing um, that to your daughter? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but Dave was ready, right? Because he knew it was coming because it's his favorite thing in the whole world is Star Wars. Anybody that knows my husband knows this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so he's just like sitting there with his phone. <laughs> it's up like this. And he just starts going, chick, 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 just taking all these pictures. And we have a picture of her. Her eyes are as big as saucers. And she's got both hands over her mouth as she's hearing, Luke, <laughs> I am your father. No. You need to send me that picture because I'll send see you that, that picture. picture. It's a great picture. She's so teeny tiny and her world is like just being rocked. In and, that those, I, and I love those videos on YouTube, too, of kids yeah. discovering that for the first time. So Danny's not very emotive. She's like her dad. Right. But her face is like as she internalizes stuff. That's why we take pictures with her like Adam, <laughs> Adam. And and look, if you haven't seen all of Star Wars at this point, sorry. But when, uh, <laughs> when during The Force Awakens, when Han Solo takes his, you know, his little dive and uh, every Danny's crying on the couch. You know, she loves him so much. But Adam sees this happen and he stands up. Oh, uh, somebody. Danny says, there goes Han Solo. And Adam and Adam stands up with a lightsaber in his hand and he goes, but we still have Kylo Ren. <laughs> <laughs> Just 
triumphantly. That's, so I'm and two I, very different kids. <laughs> and I always attest to people too. Like I've seen people like post on social media, like, Hey, about to watch like star Wars with my kids for the first time. Like what order should I watch? And anytime I see somebody say like, start with the prequels, I'm like, no, what are you crazy? Like don't start <laughs> with the prequels because it ruins that whole reveal. Now my daughter's well, okay. That's true. But my daughter's favorite star Wars movie is attack of the clones. She loves it. All right. Um, I, cause I, I have always said like jumping back to Marvel and then we'll jump back to lost. We'll, we're kind of backtrack here. Hey, um, we're like the Island. We're skipping. If, if there was any movie that I could erase from my memory to rewatch for the first time, to experience it for the first time again, it's Endgame. because no I way. had, I had so much emotion watching that movie that like I because that is still to this day one of the greatest theater experiences I've ever had was seeing Endgame opening night and being with everybody yelling and crying. Yeah, but Endgame never gets Endgame never gets terrible. I've seen it. You know this. I've seen it so many times. Yeah, I Ben'll Ben'll call me the next day. And he's like, "Why are you watching Endgame so many times?" <laughs> I never questioned you watching Endgame so many times because I I'm the same way, and I get emotional every time I watch it. Every time I watch it. Well, I skip through one very specific scene because I can't watch it. Which scene is that? It's uh, it it it's in space. It's in. Sp- base i don't i there's so much it's that during the time space. heist don't i i, I still, don't want to i don't want to do any spoilers on okay on end game. Right. well tell me tell me later it's a giant spoiler that happens in space during the time heist a giant spoiler that happens in space during the time oh yeah okay yep Jeez. yep never mind <laughs> got it <laughs> Happened to space during the time heist. <laughs> Let's get back to law, shall we? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, you know, just the weirdest code with... I've ever said. <laughs> and it took me a second to get it too. I know. Um, getting back to you know, wrapping things up with Kimi and Lapidus and everybody on the boat. Um, we we do see Kimi try to attempt to kill Michael, which we know Michael's time to die is not yet. So we see the gun jam and uh, you know, and it goes from there. Uh, yes, let's talk about that for a second. Okay. We all know that Michael's not going to die until it's time to die. We've been told this by our friend MC Ganey. Yes. He can try and kill himself as many times as he wants. He can try and be killed as many times as he wants. And Michael knows this. And Michael came to die. He doesn't care when he dies. You want to shoot me? Fine, shoot me. Oh, it did, did it not go off? That means I'm not going to die right now. Yep. <laughs> Um, so Michael knows his fate. He knows that he is on that island to die or on that boat to die. Kimi doesn't know it. And he's like, fix my gun. No, man, your gun's working just fine. Here, point it at your head, Kimi. Why don't you test it? Test it on your head. That's what I would say. Well, I mean, here, and, and the funny thing is, too, that later on, you know, when Captain Galt fires the shot at Kimi and he says, fix your gun. I, that got me thinking, I mean, did he really fix it or was there really nothing wrong with it? No, there was with? nothing wrong with it. Yeah, it just wasn't Michael's time to die. Yeah. He could have shot that gun for an hour. I would have been funny if he would have looked down the barrel of the gun and pulled the, <laughs> pulled the trigger and be like, oh, well, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> I would have enjoyed that. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, because I mean, we're seeing, we're we're finding out that Kimi takes an extra step in protection. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Let's talk about that for a second. What was on his arm? It's a heart monitor. Well, why? Because it's set to the explosives. If his heart stops, that sets off the explosives. Ah. Meaning Kimi can't be killed. If he can, everybody else dies. That's why he shows he shows Galt his arm, but the heart monitor says you might not want to do that. Because if he shoots Kimi and Kimi dies, it sets off the explosives. Because that is how the explosives set, I think, get are set off on the ship later on. Because Kimi, Kimi ends up dying and they they I, go off. Gosh, I guess I always thought that Michael set it set off the explosives. Well, the because end. I think what I again, this is me jumping forward in what I think I remember is I think somebody I think Ben shoots Kimi in a place where he doesn't die. <laughs> you know, he's kind of like, well, you're not going to die from that. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's one of those kind of situations. Um and I think it does become the point where, you know, Kimi is slowly dying and like it, Michael is, I can't remember exactly how it plays out. So I don't want to predict too much. Okay. Um, I do. I think it is Michael. I think it is Ben that kills Kimi though in the, ultimately, which would okay. rightfully be so because he killed, um, he killed his daughter. So, okay. um, but, you know, we do see that Kimi turns on Captain Galt and kills Captain Galt. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I did love about this episode and this whole scene is, man, Lapidus has balls. That guy's, uh, yeah. got, that guy's got brass balls, man, and I love it. Because um, we have far from seeing the, the end of Frank Lapidus. Um, we're definitely going to see a lot more Lapidus as this series goes on. I love Lapidus too. Yeah. So um yeah, so it's it's gonna be interesting um to see what happens with him because we are definitely gonna get a lot more of him. Yeah. Um agreed. I really think that the and, and there's so much more that happened in this episode, but I feel like we kind of gotta get close to wrapping and we can't wrap without talking about the cabin. No, and I got to tell you, one of my favorite scenes in in the whole episode is is the repeat of Horace. Yes, it's fantastically done. It's so weird. It's obviously a dream sequence, which is great. Um, the tree keeps falling, it, it, mm-hmm. and I just love how confused John is. <laughs> and I and I love how after like you know Hor- you know yeah you're right like the the dream keeps looping that the yeah. tree keeps falling, but the conversation really doesn't like Horace says at one point, hello for the second time, but the conversation still continues like to the point where Horace is like, you got to find me, John, you know, cause we get the hint that Horace is the one that built the cabin. Yeah. Like if we're seeing the origin of the cabin at this point, Yeah, but Horace is still leading him to the map of where the cabin is, even though the cabin keeps moving. Somehow the map still leads them to the cabin, which I I love. I I'm not gonna question it at all. Um, well, that's well. Okay, so the cabin keeps moving, but they're going to make sure that the cabin is there because that's how they're going to tell John to find the cabin. Yeah, through yeah, that yeah. dream, right? Yeah, and I love how after John John wakes up, it's such a low line. 
but like when you know ben. ben is sitting there wait sitting there awake and ben just like i used to dream <laughs> like I used what to have those dreams <laughs> like, i used, I used to, have to have those dreams, dreams. <laughs> you know like like he knows he's out at this mm-hmm. point and john is the one that's destined to do this um you know ben is starting to realize at this point that jacob now ben is no longer part of jacob's plan and john is gosh i would feel s- relief from that well i mean i don't i don't know if i would find relief or if i would fi- or if i would be worried because everything that ben has done up to this point has kind of been in the name of jacob so yeah. he's kind of has he's he's had reasoning behind everything he's done both good and bad but yeah. now he doesn't have Jacob. Jacob doesn't have it. He's realizing Jacob doesn't have his back anymore. So I would be worried like, okay, like I, I have no longer have protection from anything I do at this point. Yeah. Which is why I think we start to see a different side of Ben from here on out because he knows now he's got no protection. Like he, he's now responsible for all of his actions. So hmm, that's interesting. I'm going to keep that in mind going forward. As we watch. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, we do see that, you know, John does eventually find the cabin and uh, who is inside, but Christian Shepard and Claire and Claire, who we saw at some point go off. Well, we didn't see it. We were told by Miles that she went off with Christian, who we know at this point is obviously not Christian because Christian is dead. This is somebody taking the form of Christian. Well, Claire sure believes it's her dad. <laughs> Enough to leave her child behind. Yeah. I I um I agree with that. I, Claire is like in a weird place. Oh, Claire never gets out of that weird place. No, she's kind of drug off the island in the end. And she's still in the same mindset that mindset that she's in right now. Yeah. Um, I, 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 that's really for the most part, a lot of the stuff that I have, mm-hmm. um, a couple little notes here and there. Um, uh, I going to Kimi in the second protocol, uh, the book that he pulled out of the safe has the orchid logo on it, which is the same logo. That's also on the jacket that Ben, the parka that Ben is wearing when he ends up in Tunisia. So we know that book is related to the orchid station, which is where, Obviously, Ben is headed at this point. Um, you know, John coming out of the cabin saying we have to move the island, which we we kind of talked about earlier. Uh, and one of the other the only final note I have is the other scene that I really enjoyed. And it was basically more for the reaction and the way this scene was shot was when John takes Hurley and Ben to the death pit. And, you know. <laughs> And Hurley says, like, what happened to them? And John's like, he did. And John just kind of steps out of frame. And you see Ben, like, uh, like, and the look on Ben's face is just like, yeah, that's true. You know, and then it, it cuts to black. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, okay, sure. Yep, yeah. it was me. It's like, yep, can't <laughs> deny it. That's true. <laughs> I am a mass murderer. Yeah. Let's all go camping. <laughs> Let's all go camping. <laughs> any um, any other notes on your end of anything that you want to? No, I've do? I've said everything. I crossed I, it all out. 
I think, I mean, there might be one or two things we're missing. And if we do, we apologize this because, the, but there's a lot that happens in this episode. But that, we also just really wanted to talk about Marvel at the same time. So I know really <laughs> Marvel and vaccinations. That's the two things we really wanted to talk about. <laughs> Loss was just our reasoning to have this conversation. <laughs> Uh, but no, if we did forget anything, let us know, um, in the form of feedback, there are multiple ways that, that, um, that you can do that. Uh, first we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash lost revisited. If you, uh, we're also on Twitter <laughs> at lost revisit pod and we're on Instagram at lost revisited pod. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, you can email us at lost revisited pod gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave us a message, you can record it yourself and send it to our email. Absolutely. Um, and if you like the show, uh, be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen on that uh, gives you the option to leave reviews. And we would greatly appreciate uh, the reviews if you leave it. So that brings us to some feedback. <laughs> Two stars. They never talk about Lost. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I will say real quick, I have gotten messages on Facebook Um from people who actually enjoy the kind of tangents that we take. They say it actually, it, it, um, it, it really like it personalizes the show. Well, that's good. Then we're real personal. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but that does leave us to a piece of feedback that we have. And that is from our friend, Steve Brown. So we will go ahead and play that now. Hey, Ben and Kristen, Steve, just about to start my second watch of Cabin Fever. She does not look six months pregnant. I guess maybe she is. I don't know. I don't know pregnant women. This conversation is hilarious. These three guys. I'm following him. I'm not even in front. <laughs> Only bad part of a recording as I watch it is time. Is, you know, I don't want to go too over time, and I just wasted five seconds. Great. Oh, an eye-opening scene after the lost title card hey that guy was in the x-files right he did like he was tombs the guy with the the stretchy guy yeah the stretchy guy did they ever explain richard albert like my brain says i don't think they ever did just wondering <laughs> and there's eight more seconds there's nothing wrong with your gun the island won't let michael die well we know that oh the origin of uh john's catchphrase nice I'm not even going to try to remember what Lance Reddick, what his character was or was going to be or is. Yeah, I have no memory of it. Oh, crazy Claire. Still hot, though. <laughs> In the U picking a moment to use to introduce this episode uh, on the podcast because there's so many good lines and conversations and back and forths that I can't wait to hear what you decide is going to be the opening to this podcast. All right. Talk to you later. I love Steve's commentary. Still it's, hot though. Still hot though. <laughs> I thought we always get like the past couple times he's left us feedback. We've gotten those classic little one-liners, which is yeah. great. Um, he stepped it up this week because there was a couple where he was like, I'm not even gonna talk about time. That was five seconds. <laughs> and then later on, he's like, that's eight more seconds. And I thought they were the best ones. He's like, oh, crazy Claire. Still hot, though. Like, it's just. Yeah. Oh, my God. Thank you, Steve. For yes. That feedback. It's so great. Um, 
But yeah, encourage you to leave feedback, whether it's something we forgot, something you agree with, something you disagree with, let us know and leave us that feedback. Uh, but that leads us to our recommendations for the week. Uh, things outside of the world of Lost and Marvel and DC. Uh, or it could be Marvel uh, that we want to recommend you guys as our listeners to check out. So I'm going to pre-recommend that everybody should watch The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I knew that was coming. Well, of course it was. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm really anticipating that series. I think... Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan have such great rapport and on-screen chemistry together that I just I oh, can't wait for the series. They're my favorite part of of any. Uh, what was it? Was it Civil War where they're like, I hate you. I yeah, hate it you. was Civil War. You couldn't have done that earlier. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> when, and, or when they were in the back of the bus. Yes, that was what I was going to bring up. <laughs> when, Can you when, move? Can you move to the side? No. <laughs> well, not only not only that. Um, but, but when they're looking at Cap and they're shit and they're nodding. When 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 Cap kisses Sharon Carter yeah. and the, it cuts to the two of them and they're just giving that little nod yeah. of approval to Cap. It's so good. I like Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to have like a ton of action. It's going to have humor. It's it's going to be everything. Yeah. And I I can't I can't wait. Hey, Sebastian Stan is in Once Upon a Time. Is he? He is. I was shocked too because I've who, seen it before. Who is he in, in Once Upon a Time? Plays the Mad Hatter. Whoa, oh, now I really can't wait till we finish Lost and talk about Once Upon a Time. He's excellent in it. Um, outside of Falcon and Winter Soldier, any other recommendations? WandaVision. Go back and watch WandaVision, yeah. Um, <laughs> the only other recommendation I have, I made the same recommendation last episode and I'm sticking to it because... My God, this has become one of my favorite shows on television right now is Resident Alien with oh, Alan yeah. Tudyk. That show gets better and better every episode. And there's seven episodes in the eighth episode airs this week. I don't think there has been one episode that hasn't left me in tears from laughing. I love that. He is so brilliant in this in this role. The show is hysterical. Uh, so if you have the option, to, if you have the ability to watch it, it's a sci-fi show as in like sci-fi network. Um, and I know it's available on Peacock TV, which is the new NBC universal streaming app that just launched. Uh, if you have the ability to check it out, check out resident alien. It's 10 episodes. It's the season is 10 episodes. They're already seven in. So it's easy to catch up. They're hour long episodes. It's just, I promise you, you will laugh at this, at this I show. Love that. I love it. I know that we have a lot of uh, listeners that are also big Walking Dead fans. And I just wanted to say that uh, I have found it very, very exciting and thrilling that Stephen Yun has been uh, nominated for Best Actor. He is the first Asian American in the history of the Oscars to be nominated for this yeah. award for the movie Minari. And um, I haven't seen it yet. I I just want to sit down and be able to watch it and not watch it and little chunks, but, um, I hear it's fantastic and I can't wait to watch it. Uh, I've seen the trailer and it looks like it's like half in Korean and half in English. The trailer made me cry. The trailer. I, I, have, I cannot wait to watch this movie. I have not seen it yet either. I have not watched the trailer. Um, I'm not going to, I'm going to jump right into the movie because I don't want the trailer to lead me in any direction. And it won't. 
the, okay. the trailer's very, very good. Um, the trailer's very good. But I will say that it looks, I mean, anybody that's a Walking Dead fan that has watched it from the beginning has always known that Stephen Yun is a fantastic actor. Do you know he's um, in an episode of Big Bang Theory? Yeah. He, says, he, was, Sheld- he was Sheldon's, he was Sheldon's form- old Sheld- roommate. Yep, Sheldon's former roommate before yeah. uh, before Leonard. But um, he's fantastic. He's he's always been fantastic. It was a huge gut wrenching loss on more than one level when he left when he left Walking Dead. But look at look at him now. So I really want him to win because I love Stephen Young. It was it was a huge loss um, for multiple reasons because his yeah. character. Um, I mean, we it was a fate that we kind of knew was coming uh, to anybody who's read the comic books. But what made that loss a little bit easier to handle was I I, I watched interviews with Stephen when um, he asked he, for it. He asked for it. He wanted yep. his fate in the comics to be his fate in the show because they knew, offered it. They offered it to happen to somebody else. And he but he him. also knew how impactful that was to the story. So he was willing to be written off the show for the sake of that impact happening to the rest of the characters, Yeah, which I mean, that's like that just goes to show you the kind of person that he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it couldn't come to a more deserving guy. And I'm really excited about um, what this also means for diversity in um, in the Oscars and going forward with with movies and TV. And I just if it had to be the first uh Asian American man, Stephen Yun. Yay. Yeah. I want to, I want to make another note too, that one of the other things that I really loved about these Oscar noms is it's the first time I think in a long time, if not ever, that two females have also been nominated for director, which is fantastic. That is, that's great. Yeah. This, this Oscar, this Oscars, it looks like there's a lot of uh, representation, which is good, which is really good. I'm, I'm happy that we're getting to that point. Um, you know, Minari is at a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm that telling you, crazy. I've heard, I've heard the movie is incredible. I'm going to make it a point to watch it this weekend. So before we record our next episode, I'm going to, I'm going to watch it. Me too. Um, another, another movie with Steven Yeun. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's completely different from Minari. Um, uh, it's called Mayhem. Oh it's, yeah. It's him. And I haven't Samara seen Weaving. it. I know that it's I, and isn't I love it horror? Samara Weaving. It's horror. Yeah. Yeah. You know me. I don't watch that. But but I love Samara Weaving too. She's another like new up and comer over the past couple of years that I've really grown to love. Like Ready or Not is an amazing movie. Um, it's her, it's Stephen Young and Samara Weaving together, and it's it's so much fun. Like it's just brutal and bloody, and it's, it's see, fantastic. and Stephen Young could have stayed in that horror genre, and that could have been his entire career after Walking Dead. And he chose he chose to expand his portfolio a little bit, and that's yeah. that's great. That's great. Yeah, I will. I will watch it before before our next episode. I'll make sure I watch Minari. Yeah, me too. So, uh, I think with that though, we're pretty much wrapped for this episode. Any final notes or thoughts before we go? No. Cool. Uh, so next week. Next episode, we are part one of the three-part finale. Uh, so part one, next episode, parts two and three, the episode after that. And then we're done with season four and jumping into season five. Uh, Manifest returns to NBC April 1st. Uh, I don't know if we're going to cover it yet or not because we're a little behind on that series as well. That's something we'll kind of talk about as we progress forward. Uh, we'll figure that out as we go. 
But again, I do miss the manifest minutes, though. I do. And maybe we'll jump back to it. I mean, who knows? Um, But again, special hello and thanks to any new audience members we picked up on the new platforms that we're on. Uh, Leave us feedback if you have anything. But until next time, we'll see you guys further on down that rabbit hole. Take care. Bye bye. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back!